This is John, and today I'm going to be doing a music production analysis of Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. And I've got my studio here, so you'll be able to hear the instruments through the camera, one by one. A lot of cool stuff in here. So this song was actually voted on the Rolling Stone magazine 500 Great Songs of All Time list as number three, I think. Maybe number two. Number two or three. I forget which one it is. But it's very high up. Top ten on their list. And um, it's a very cool song. There's a lot of cool music production tricks that have been used in this that we can analyze and um, you know see see how we can use it ourselves and how we can use these underlying principles ourselves. Obviously, it's never, it's never good to copy exactly, but if you can grab the underlying skill set that the people have used, then you can use it in your own tracks in your own way, which is the biggest benefit you get from music production analysis. Now, before I go on, spots have opened for the Polymath Producer System. Okay, I've got people in there telling me, that they are learning more in four weeks than like years prior. People are starting to think like a master within three weeks. So they're actually starting to intuitively think like the people they are analyzing. So if you wanna learn how to do that, I'll leave a link below for polymathproducer.com. But let's get on with this. So we're gonna find out what's going on in this, pun intended. And I'm gonna take you through each instrument one by one and then see how they relate to each other. Let's start with the first one here. So we just got some finger snaps. It literally sounds like they've just finger snapped into a mic. Very, very live sounding. A couple of BB tracks. So I'll go through the first BB track here. So this, this particular vocal pad, so this is a vocal pad and it's based off of two notes. Now, when I first started producing, I was listening to a lot of Beatles, Beatles, and um, I was like, everything has to be three-part harmony. Like when you do vocal pads, you have to have three-part harmony. And that's simply not the case. So Marvin Gaye here, two-part harmony on his vocal pads for this particular BV section. And he even does a single line vocal pad earlier on in the song, which we'll get to soon, which is quite phenomenal how well it works when you do it properly. And I'll show you how to do it properly very soon. But firstly, what you want to keep in mind is that there's multiple singers singing this. So he's got both males and females and multiple males, multiple females. So the benefit of doing this is that it creates more texture to the vocal lines. Have a listen. So all they're singing here is G sharp, D, D sharp together, and then the girls go up to an E. That's what they're singing. And then at the very end, the girls go up to a G sharp. Just temporarily. So a very simple line. And what they're singing with in the lead is, is sort of the interlude section. Everybody thinks we're wrong. 
So, so kind of just um, creating that that pad, that glue feel, and it actually is doubling with the strings, which are playing um, sustained stuff as well. Um, they're doing the strings are obviously doing their own thing with the melodies, but it's still sort of sustained. And then you've got the sustained backing vocals lower in in the uh, in the arrangement. But we'll get to the strings soon. We'll, We'll see how it all interconnects very soon. Now, these continue for the majority of the song. And again, it's mainly two-part harmony. So, in this particular section, there's a lot of harmony changes. And you've got a single sustained note that both males and females are singing, and then they're changing with the harmony. So I'll play the piano underneath. Very complex harmony changes here, and they're singing a single note following that harmony. So the cool thing about it is that they're going between G, G sharp, G, G sharp. Like it's there's a lot of accidentals that are happening in the arrangement harmony. So the main takeaway that you want to take away from these particular BBs is that they're mostly two-part harmony, mostly sustained vocal pads and pads really act as a glue in arrangement so i'll get to the the rhythm soon but usually you have a core rhythm which is like the main driving groove of the song then you have counter rhythms which create healthy conflict with that core rhythm and pads a lot of the time act as a glue to connect those two together and sort of fill out the arrangement so that's essentially what these are doing uh, in this you can get away with two-part harmony. You don't have to use three-part harmony for your pads, for your vocal pads. And using a mix of male and female helps to create more texture and also multiple singers of male and female. So multiple singers creates more of a thicker texture as well. So some of these tips have been lost through generations because now you can do everything from your studio. If you just use your own voice, sometimes it doesn't sound as good as if you can get multiple voices. So let's go on to the next BVs. And these are more pack vocals, which you'll see soon. So. So as you can see, it's a single note, sustained vocal pad, and there's a pack of males singing it. Most likely Marvin's part of that. So if you can see with the lead vocal, this is what it's singing under. So this is the first verse. See how it's creating that glue? It just creates that like, that connection between the rhythms. So if we took the backing vocals out, this is what it would sound like. See how it's just the rhythm and it's not. Something just doesn't feel right. Whereas when you put the backing vocals in, 
it connects the two together. Magic. So, very cool stuff. And that all of that all that is is a single vocal line, just a single line. There's no there's no two part harmony, three part harmony, single line, multiple vocals, like pack vocal on the one line. Now in the pre-chorus you have call and response pack vocals, which is pretty cool stuff. So have a listen to this. Single note, sister, sister, sister. one word, sister. one note. And they move to another word. Sister, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And with the lead vocal, this is what it sounds like. So it's call and response. And picket signs. Sister, don't punish me. Sister, with brutality. Sister. So call and response. Lead vocal singing a phrase. Backing vocals, a response to that call. So call, response. It's one of the principles of music production and arranging is like call and response. How, how are the two, how are elements interacting with each other? One's calling, one's responding. As this one calls, there will be a space in between that call and the, and, and the next call. So if I take out the backing vocals, have a listen to this. So this is a space. Don't punish me. With brutality. Still sounds good. Talk to me. But then you put these in. So you can see. Sister, what's going on? What's going on? Just changes the whole thing. Keep in mind call and response between the lead vocals and the background vocals. How can you play with that? If you've got space in, in, in between phrases of vocals, are you gonna are you gonna fill it out with instrumental elements or more background vocal elements? And again, group vocals, so multiple people singing this word and these lines, which makes all the difference. More thicker texture, everything. Now, this is pretty cool coming up here. Have a listen to this, this background vocal line. It's just like literally sounds like a party and they're just like saying like random words and yeah it's 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 I think it's just funny how like that's there and then like it actually works so well underneath like have a listen to the you can't you can't even notice this but it's it just fills out the space. They actually made this party scene like a mock party scene. So they just got a whole bunch of people in and pretended like they were partying and then recorded the thing um, and got people to say like random lines and stuff like that. So uh, it's really cool. Now the lead vocal, this is very cool. They've intertwined two vocal leads. Brother, 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 to bring some love and beauty here today. Father, Father. Apparently what happened was that he sung two different lead vocal lines and then 
they decided to actually leave both vocal lines together in the song. And it actually sounds really cool, like how they interact with each other. So in modern day, most people are like, oh, you need to do a single vocal line and that's it. And that's cool, but this is actually a possibility as well. If this sounds good for the song at hand, you can do this. Let's move on to the sax. So the sax plays a motive in the track. So that is the opening line of the song. This motive that plays is, is a secondary hook in the track. So I'd say the lead hook of the track is probably the what's going on, like what's going on, what's going on, that one. The sax plays the secondary hook of the song. So it plays that motive and then this is really cheeky. So this is the repurposing principle in effect right here. Have a listen to the piano line and tell me if this sounds familiar. Now have a listen to the sax. They're, they're playing the same thing. I'm gonna get my piano out. And then the piano is literally playing that as well. So what they're doing there is they're repurposing hooks. So you have a sax playing the secondary hook and then the piano plays the hook an octave lower throughout the entire track. So it literally repeats this through the verses. Can you hear it? Very cool stuff. And just there, the sax played a little bit of a fill. Just little cool colors that for the, for the, um, the transition. So the first part of the verse is coming to a close here, if you can hear. Back to the turnaround. So back to the, to the, start of the like the verse again so it's it's an element that you can put in there to sort of show that this is the end of this section and we're going back to the start of it again so they've used it not only as a as a secondary hook thing so in the intro it's really the lead like that's the lead hook in the intro but then it goes to more of a an accompaniment instrument from that point onwards and later on you can actually see that the sax sustains notes with a motive which actually doubles with the strings So as you can see, the sax is actually doubling 
essentially what the strings are doing, or maybe it's a different note. Let me check. Now it's the same, so it's doubling the melody of the of the top strings of what the strings are playing. So the strings are playing chords, but they've got a top melody. Sax is doubling that. Again, counter motive to what the vocal is doing. See the contrast there? The instruments are playing sustained, the vocal is more um, staccato, offbeat, doing its own thing. So there's that nice contrast there, contrast, key. Let's move to the vibraphone. So there's a vibraphone in here. So what I noticed about the vibraphone was that its main purpose was to really double the piano at certain points. So it accentuates the, the key beat of the first beat of the piano. So it's, it accentuates those chords, but it also plays uh, a little counter melody to what the piano is doing. So it's almost like this little world within itself. So in that one, it's, it's accentuating chords, but in this part in the verse, sort of, it's, 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 doing this, it's doing something similar, but it's doing its own thing. Like it's, it's doing its own notes, counter notes, counterpoint. In terms, of the, in terms of the entire arrangement, the vibraphone is really there just to accentuate certain rhythms and, um, and notes really. You can barely hear it, you wouldn't even know it was there. Sort of hear it on the top there, octave higher. So yeah, it's really, I don't know, maybe filling out that high end, doing something a little bit counter, plus accentuating those key, uh, those key beats there. The piano, we've touched on this before. The cool thing about the piano is that it's playing the the secondary hook, the sax established at the start, but throughout the entire track without you even knowing. this part here. Now the cool thing about this is that what you want to do as a producer, which they've done very well, which you can take from this, this principle, is that repurposing hooks that you already have in creative ways is like one of the coolest things you can do. The audience won't even know that you're doing it, but they'll just feel like the arrangement is awesome. So it's affecting them on a bit on a big level. Speaking of the Beatles, in the song She Loves You, the main hook in that song, like the She Loves You, yeah, 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 that hook, if you listen to the verses, the the guitar actually plays that hook, the yeah, 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 in its top melody of its chords as a fill. So in between vocal phrases, it goes gling, 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 like that. So they've repurposed the primary hook and used it as the secondary hook in the verses which is absolutely genius. And this is what they're doing right there. They're, they're repurposing hooks so that it gets under your skin without you even knowing. 
and it's really one of the best ways to uh, to create arrangements. This dates back all the way to Beethoven. If you listen to Symphony Number no. Five, the opening notes, dun, 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 dun. he created the entire first movement out of those notes. If you listen very carefully, you can see it getting repurposed in different ways, using different rhythms, different um, you know harmonies and, and, and melodies and stuff. But the same notes apply, and he's and he's using them in different ways. The essence of that opening motive remains throughout the entire movement. Okay, go check that out. Very cool stuff. So this dates back to literally the Beethoven days. Like it's it's a timeless principle. That's why it is a principle of music production and arranging. Let's go. Let's move on to the guitars because the guitars in this track are what I like to call the core harmonic rhythmic driver. Okay, it's quite a mouthful, but if you listen to the if you listen to this guitar here. What it's playing is it's playing the primary rhythm of the song, so the core rhythm of the track, the groove of the track. And the reason why I know that is because if you listen to the bass with it, see how they're sort of flowing with each other? I'm not sure if the bass will come through the speakers that well, but... It's, it flows with it. Now listen to the kick. So that is the core rhythm of the track. So the core rhythm is the main groove. Um, it's the kick, the snare, and the bass is like the easiest way to identify the core rhythm. And then there's usually a mid-level harmonic instrument that plays with that and flows with it. And this is present in every track that you'll ever hear. And if the bass and the drums aren't present in the track that you're listening to, there will usually be a core harmonic rhythmic driver that's taking the place of it. And then when the bass and the kick drum comes in, you'll hear it starts to flow as one. Every song ever imaginable has this. So that's its role. Its role is literally just to provide that groove. So when you hear more of the arrangement above it, it fades into the background essentially. Like it, it's there, but you don't, you don't really notice it. It's more of just a, a feel. That's guitar number one. So there's actually a second guitar that plays with it. So let's have a listen to what that does. This is an acoustic guitar. The other one was electric. This is acoustic. I think. Pretty sure it's acoustic. And what it's, what it's doing is it's essentially accenting certain rhythmic parts of the core harmonic rhythmic driver. So it's going... So it's doing like almost like a counter, like a counter rhythm, but it's accent, it's accentuating bits of the of the core rhythm as well. So it's like a core rhythm highlighter, but it's sort of doing a little bit of a counter rhythm as well. And that's creating healthy conflict between the two guitar parts. 
plus it's also quite like a little bit of an octave higher so they've actually positioned the second guitar a little bit higher here so the, the guitar's role in this track is mainly rhythm bass i mean piano is taking the, the secondary hook that runs throughout sax creates more of the fills vibraphone more of the vibe pun intended backing vocals pads as we can see it's coming all together now strings starting to come in as pads plus motives so melodic motives stop it there for a second we're getting carried away let's move to the bass very funky I think the main lesson you can get from the bass is like it's it's accentuating the core rhythm but it's also doing a lot of fills a lot of runs a lot of cool funky stuff a lot of the time you, you notice that that's lost in in a lot of modern day tracks especially more electronic music so if you can actually uh, bring that humanized feel to your arrangements even if they're electronic it can do wonders for your arrangement so how can you accentuate the core rhythm but at the same time create more of a humanized feel so this is drum number one. So this is the core rhythm. Kick, snare, some hi-hats. Then they've got another one here, which looks like it's accentuating on the beat number one. Now, this is really cool. What I noticed in this track was that they have two separate kick drums. Have a listen to this. This kick drum underneath is on the one, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. It's playing a straight, straight beat on on every every beat. Now this one is like this. So this is kick, this is snare. That's it. <laughs> so it's playing more of a syncopated um, kick drum, whereas the other one is on every beat. And they play together, listen. I've actually used this in a track before. After I learnt this, I used this same principle. Two different kick drums doing two different things at the same time. Um, and it works really well. So I thought this was really cool. Like this is like a, I actually got that technique for my technique library from this track. Not really much else to say really about the percussion. I mean, they've got some percussion here that's doing some more counter, uh, counter rhythm stuff. It's like a um, conga or bongo, whatever that one is. I think it's a conga. 
creates that counter rhythm, that conflict, healthy conflict. So that's the rhythm section right there. Now let's get onto the strings. So this is the last instrument that I have, have to cover today. And the strings do some really cool stuff that you can learn. So to start with, they start with a single motive. Uh, so it essentially starts as a pad, but with some motives attached to it. Now I'm pretty sure that's playing octave space. So you've got one octave higher, another an octave lower, and it's a set of strings that are playing together. So it's multiple string, multiple string players playing at the same time. This is cool. So you've got half the string section starts to play sustained, and then you've got the other half doing stylistic runs that run down. counterpoint happening there it's essentially just sustained notes but they're they're doing they're melodically moving around as well and we'll see how that interacts with the vocal yeah. so the vocal is doing the sustained I mean the, the sort of syncopated um, contrast here starting to build so big run up octave run up with the strings for that climactic moment it's like building in intensity getting rising 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 and then what do you know this is so cool. This is this is tops it off completely. So I'm pretty sure. Just just listen listen to the melody of this string section at the very top. Tremolo. Back to more sustained. So, what I was going to say before was that motive that they played at the very top. Now, I don't know if I'm right here, but let's have a look at the sax. That's what that's playing. Now let's listen to the string. Okay, I was I was incorrect there. I thought that the the strings were playing the same, like a very similar motive to what the sax was playing. It's almost like a a variation on 
the sax line if, if you can see it like it's it's playing very similar notes very similar rhythm so it's basically a variation melody on the sax secondary hook if that makes sense and the fact that this is these string sections are moving around melodically as a counter melody to the lead vocal as the lead vocal scene the way they've done this is like amazing i don't know how, how they pulled it off but they've managed to make the strings do their own thing but not overtake the lead vocal. So I think the main things that from the strings is really the the stylistic attributes that they bring to the to the arrangement. So they've got sustained, they've got tremolos for like the intensity, they've got the stylistic runs downs like the fall downs like that. They've got the rise ups, like octave um, for, for those climac mom climactic moments, Ooh, up like that. Um, they've got the motives that are, that are going around the vocal, like counter, mo counter motives. So much stuff in these string sections that you can learn. Um, and obviously it sounds a lot better with real strings playing it. And there's a lot of stuff that you can do with these real string players that it's, it's a little bit harder to do with uh, electronic strings, but a lot of stuff that you can learn to bring to your own arrangements, like how can you make it more stylistically humanized? That is pretty much everything that I have for what's going on. It was quite an in-depth analysis of all the instruments, but that's how the track was made and how it all sort of interconnects and the purpose of all the instruments within it. Because by doing this, like I'm getting the most out of this because I'm actually going as deep as possible as I can. So I'm actually starting to think like, you know, the producers of this track, like I'm starting to think like them when I do my own arrangements. So if you want to learn how to do this, um, spots have opened for the Polymath Producer System and it teaches you exactly how to get into the minds of the masters of the craft. So polymathproducer.com, check it out and I'll see you in the next video.